0: hey welcome to the relentless positivity podcast i'm your host joe martin got an interesting guest with us today so he's a social worker at the school he's a therapist in private practice he's a host of the not allowed to die podcast and the mental health advisor for paul's for patrick which we'll get into much later daniel magler thank you for coming on the show
1: So glad to be here and I really appreciate this opportunity to talk to you and and your listeners.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I know you're gonna help someone today so thank you for being here today. So let's let's take it back. When did you decide, hey, I wanna become a therapist?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I originally didn't wanna be a therapist. I wanted to, I knew I always wanted to help people. During middle school, I went through a period of pretty significant depression Hmm. and I was helped through it by a youth group. And I really wanted to give back in the way they'd given to me. And so I studied history and politics in college But then I started working on some political campaigns, and I just found it to be gross. It wasn't people wanting to help other people. It was all fundraising and deciding who sat next to who. So I got a job in the nonprofit world for a place called the Center for Violence Interruption. And I went and I helped teach male socialization theory to kids who've been kicked out of regular public schools. And I loved direct service with people. But I was only making $19,000 a year. And so somebody said, "Okay, well, how do I make more? Well, you need to get a master's degree. And social work's the way to go. So I went in to get my master's in social work. And while I was in it, I discovered that I just, I really loved school social work and that interaction directly with kids. And um, as a school social worker, I then eventually got my clinical license. So I started doing private practice around 15 years ago, but it kind of fell into that in that desire to help people and figuring out what was the best way to do that. In addition, I have a lot of mental health issues in my family growing up. My aunts and uncles had you know, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, and in my own siblings, you know, every diagnosis in the DSM has been there. So I had a lot of personal connection to that. Oh, wow.
0: So you've got a very good uh, therapist voice, so I think it was just meant to be. <laughs> you got that cool, soothing voice, uh, that, that you were meant to do this thing. So, uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of a lot of therapists out there, but how how did you get involved and work with an emotional support animals? That's kind of a different, no pun intended, different animal right there.
1: Yeah. Well, one of my uh, students at the high school where I work, Patrick Romer, he was a kid who regular traditional therapy wasn't as useful for him because he, first of all, he really had trouble trusting people. And when he was feeling anxious and stressed, it was hard for him to open up and process his feelings. When he was upset, all he wanted to do was be by his dog, Cece. And so there were days and times when he would come into my office at the school and he would say, Hey, listen, can you just help me get out of here so I can go home and just hug my dog? And so that would be a plan. We'd figure out how to call his parents, how to get him a ride, because the best therapist in the world can't be there for you in the way a dog or a cat or an animal can. And they can't be there for you at three in the morning. You know, I'm there's no, no, I love my clients, but I'm not, I'm not answering <laughs> that. So unfortunately we lost Patrick to suicide in May of 2020. And his family decided that they, there, a big GoFundMe was started to help support the family, but they were like, we don't really need this money for ourselves. We want to do something to help other people. And there were two things that Patrick was really passionate about. One was fitness and working out and things like that. And the other was animals. And so they said, we're going to form an organization that helps connect young people to emotional support animals. And they, I was privileged enough that they asked me to come aboard and be the mental health advisor for the organization. And so I did a lot of research from that time to now. And since then I've wrote, written over 80 emotional support animal letters, which allow people to have like an emotional support animal in their college dorm or in their apartment for no pet fees and things like that. And I'm really just promoting the organization to everyone, because we are a nonprofit and we just want to help. So if there's anybody listening to this, who might have any emotional health issues, and they might, they might want to get an animal, but let's say they can't afford the adoption fee. Paul Patrick will pay up to $500 to help people acquire an animal. And we'll pay up to $750 to help people get like some basic animal training. So if you're living in an apartment, The animal doesn't bark too much or do whatever Mm. to cause you problems with your neighbors. So, you know, that's now I've become a bit of an expert on emotional support animals since uh, joining that organization.
0: Yeah, it's a great website. You guys need to check it out. Pause for Patrick. We'll put that in the, uh, it's dot org. I'll put that in the show notes and all that. Go check it out. You can shop on there. They got some really cool. Look- it's very Irish looking. Uh, I don't <laughs> know if the family is Irish, but the <laughs> the site looks very Irish. I like that. It's green and it's Pause for Patrick. So um, got some great, you can donate on there if you just want to help somebody out. Or if you, like you said, if you need some help yourself, but please go check that out. And you, know, you guys also have a golf tournament coming up in September, mm-hmm. correct?
1: Yeah, so for people who are in the Chicago area, or if they'd like to go to one of the top uh, golf courses in the country, as Shore Acres. Um, so if people are listening to this, they might be able to and uh, to go up there. And it's you know this is an elite uh, play place. It's eight hundred dollars or thirty two hundred dollars for a foursome. But there's also lots of items that people can bid on, from vacation destinations to uh, sports tickets. So even if you can't make it up to that, you can donate. And another thing, if people are checking out the website, one of the biggest things that's helped me in my mental health journey and my recovering from things like the loss of Patrick has been volunteering. And so if people are interested in becoming volunteers for our organization, we have, like, for every person who reaches out to Pastor Patrick, they get connected to a wish grantor. And a wish grantor is the person who, who listens to them and says, okay, you'd like to get a cat. Now they help them through the process of helping them find the cat. Acquire it, you'll get the adoption fees paid for. So, anybody who's listening to this, if you have a little time in your schedule and you'd like to volunteer to help others, you can do that. We're particularly looking for therapists who are willing to write those pro bono ESA letters like I do, and particularly in the state of California, because California is the only state that has a law that says the ESA letter has to be written by a California clinician. So, I write letters for people, we've helped people in 30 states. Um, so we're based out of the Chicago area, the, or Lake County, which is north of Chicago. But we're we're open to helping anybody that hears this.
0: All right. Hey, Therapist of California, we got a, we got a pretty decent following in California. Help, help them out. You, you can help yeah. some other people.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. cool. So uh,
0: you, you kind of have a threefold vision for pause for Patrick. Can you share with what that is for people?
1: Well, again, we help people with the emotional support animals. We also help with we we do have therapy dogs in especially in the, the Lake County area. So for people who can't have their own animals, we bring these therapy dogs that people can interact with and we bring them to mental health settings to schools. After you may have unfortunately heard about the Highland Park shooting last summer and we brought our therapy dog handlers brought dogs out to help people to just feel calm, relaxed and be able to bond. The other thing that we're really all about is awareness. So awareness about mental health, awareness about emotional support animals and how they can help people. So we wanna break the stigma of mental health and emotional support animals are a great way to do that because people get a little bit nervous about talking about mental health. But as soon as you bring a dog into the room, everybody lights up, everybody (laughs) feels more relaxed. And they can have these conversations when they're scratching and petting the dog that, you know, so sometimes conversations, even in my office, you know, I have a lot of little fidgets and things like that, because sometimes it's easier to have a conversation when you're not making direct eye contact and having that, that animal be the buffer to like make things a little bit easier helps everybody to say, you know what? Yeah, I can get behind this. And even people who have, don't have a diagnosed mental health disorder, most of them have had positive interactions with animals that have made them feel like, yeah, I know how an animal can make my day better and brighter.
0: Yeah. So I, I'd like for you to go over, cause I think there's, there's some, uh, People don't, there's misinformation out there. So there's Mm -hmm. people talk about emotional support dogs and therapy dogs and all these different things, but they're, they're very different things. So you kind of break it down. You have a great chart on
1: the website, but can you please share kind of some facts and myths about those? Yeah. So the, the highest level of, you know, support animal is a service animal. So when we think of people with like blindness or there are even psychiatric support animals or service, service animals, and these take a great deal of training. Training for a service animal is usually about twelve dollars to $15,000, and they are for people to help with a specific disability. And those, again, those have access to go anywhere. So normally animals that you see in those vests that are out around with people, those are typically service animals, not emotional support animals or therapy dogs. The next level of training down, and it's a significant drop down, would be therapy dogs, or what we call facility dogs. So if like at a school, if they have a dog that's there, you know, three days a week, that's called it's it's a it's a type of therapy dog called a facility dog, or and again, we can have therapy horses, other things like that. But these animals have gotten a certain amount of training to be non reactive, so that they're not going to freak out, they're not going to bite anybody, they're not going to do anything like that. And they've been tested and trained, and they're insured. And then a significant level down from that is what we call emotional support animals. An emotional support animal can be a dog, a cat, a guinea pig, a fish, a tarantula. It can be anything. It doesn't need any training whatsoever, but it's only really supposed to be allowed in the home. So emotional support animal is just saying being around this animal helps an individual who has a mental health disorder, be it anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, anything to feel more calm and relaxed. So a person has a symptom and some of those symptoms may be lessened when they're in the presence of their emotional support animal. Where we hear a lot of people complaining about this is they'll say oh well these people are just scamming they just want to bring their animal on the plane and they don't want to have to pay their pet fees and the airlines have really cracked down on that and they've said you know if you don't want to pay the pet fees it really needs to be more of a service animal something that's trained to help you out and so emotional support animals are not generally allowed in a lot of different environments they they should pretty much only be in the same places that you know if a a store says everyone can bring their dog or cat or whatnot then emotional support animals should be able to be there The way I like to think about it is the way I think about music. You know, music is so helpful to most of us, but we shouldn't be blasting our music out there in a way that's bothering other people. And if you have your animal and you're not bothering anyone with it, hopefully you can take it and have it with you in a way that makes you feel comfortable and relaxed. But if your animal is not trained and it's going to be causing problems for other people, then it should probably just stay in your home.
0: That's a good point. And like I said, go go check out that chart where where these animals are allowed, and kind of their basic training and all the things they go through. Those uh the top level guys, they're they're pretty impressive. Those therapy yeah. dogs, they're they're pretty impressive. Yeah. So go check that out on pauseforpatrick.org. Um, how else do kind of that human animal? How does that help with mental health? How help that help that reaction? That they're. I mean, you mentioned some of it. What's some other ways it can kind of help each other out with mental health?
1: Well, you know, there's been a lot of actually great research done. Dr. Janet Oy out of University of Toledo has been doing some research and showing how just 15 minutes of a person stroking an animal can really reduce their heart rate, their cortisol levels, and even particularly with um, animals being able to stare in the eyes of a dog and make that eye contact can release oxytocin. And oxytocin is that uh, hormone that we release. Women release a tremendous amount of it after giving birth, but it's also released after sex. So they sometimes call it the love hormone and it creates a level of bonding. What was actually funny to me in reading some of her research is that for depression, Cats actually seem to help people more than dogs do. Um, you know, Because for me, I'm more of a dog person, so I would have thought it was dogs all the way. But you know, this idea of just being with a creature, being with an animal, and being able to feel its fur, it helps in this idea. We, you hear a lot of talk about mindfulness lately. So it gives a grounding and a connection. But more importantly, the Surgeon General has gone around the country talking about the giant epidemic we have of loneliness. And to be able to come out to your home and know that you're not alone, that there's someone there, cat, dog, well, again, bunny, guinea pig, that's going to be there, not judging you, just loving you. That really helps with people's mental health. Also, it changes the role that a person has. Often people who are struggling with mental health, they feel like they're a burden or they're struggling. They don't want to share their problems with other people. But when they come home and they're feeding their animal, they're walking it, they're taking care of it. Now they are the caregiver and mm-hmm. it's making them feel powerful. It gives them a level of efficacy. So there's so many different ways in which or even just activity, especially with dogs having that animal i talk i can't tell you how many people i talk to with depression who say if i didn't have to get out of bed to take the dog for a walk i wouldn't get moving oh, wow. and we know yeah i mean you know as a kind of a fitness guy that there's nothing that really helps us more than getting moving and so that ability to move with your animal to play with your animal it really helps release those endorphins
0: oh, that's cool that's stuff i hadn't really thought about you know that they can get them, kind of flip that around become the caregiver that's an interesting way to look at that so mm-hmm. um, you do a lot a lot of work with teams do you find that uh, there's an age that people tend to go to the animals? Is it older people or is it across the board everybody likes?
1: Yeah, it seems to be that everybody, even from like the youngest kids to, and you see it at nursing homes, that we we, we break down, again, back similar to music. We all respond to music and we all seem to respond to animals. There's a great book called Running with Sherman, which talks about um, one author's journey of, he, uh, he adopted a uh, abandoned uh, Mule or donkey, and he decided to take it through. A, it's basically like a marathon through the mountains, and it's a great a true story. But in his book, he relates how it's for most of human history, our lives have been in extreme, just really linked to animals, and it's only in about the last hundred years where we haven't always been surrounded by animals, and we've really lost something as creatures, not having that that you know symbiotic interaction.
0: Oh, let's check that book out. That sounds pretty awesome right there. Mm-hmm. I don't know about I don't know about running with a donkey. Man. That's, that's <laughs> it's, next it's,
1: it seems like a really hard thing to do. But again, the, <laughs> but again, that bond and the way it can help with mental health to say, hey, I'm not on my own with this. We're doing this together. And it, it's super, it's incredible challenge and incredible story. I think you'll like it.
0: Yeah. So uh, like I mentioned, you mentioned you work with a lot of teens. Um, My audience, there's a lot of people that, that have teens for kids out there. So what's what's kind of the number one mental health crisis you're seeing with those teens these days?
1: You know, they say comparison is the thief of joy. And the number one amount of comparison, as we all know, comes from social media. And the challenge for teens in saying like what I'm seeing on social media, and it's not, it's not just teens that deal with this, but it impacts teens more, but from the age of 13 to 25, your primary developmental task is to figure out who you are, what's your identity and as teens are forming that and they're feeling like they're not keeping up because they're comparing the comparison they're doing to everybody else this feeling of failure that sets into them and then they get into a space where they are kind of you know checking 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 on all the different social media apps looking for the likes looking for the validation that they get from that and we know we can get endorphins from it but unless we have some form of building our identity that's separate from the online version then we're going to really have that struggle And the isolation that so many of teens, particularly with COVID and whatnot, have been recovering from. The other thing that people are shocked by is so much anxiety comes from our success in what we all want to give to our kids is options and choices. But when you have a lot of options and choices, you get stressed out. Think about when we go to the supermarket and there's 15 different kinds of cereal there. It's like, oh, which one do I get? Well, we've done a great job of giving our kids million different options for careers, for things, but then many of them feel this fear that they're going to choose wrong. And so as parents, as people who are supporting teens, really helping them to say, what's your thing to develop that and to feel less overwhelmed by all the choices and realizing there often, there is no wrong or right choice. There's just some better and worse consequences of every choice. So to feel more empowered and confident that when they choose something, no matter what they choose, we can make the best out of it. So just so many people have this Paralysis by analysis, where they feel just you know, terrified of making a choice. Make your choice, commit to your choice, do the best with it, and then reevaluate. Oh, that's great,
0: man! I don't know if you've ever been to a cheesecake factory, but they've got a, like a 400-page <laughs> menu. I, I can't yeah. deal. It gives me angst. I just, yeah. my wife knows. I'll just point out a picture. I won't even yeah. a good look at it. Just to give me that. And then
1: once you commit to it, enjoy that cheesecake, you know, don't don't worry, (laughs) don't look over at everybody else's plate, don't say, oh, that one looks good. Once we've made our choice, just because it it doesn't matter whether it's the Oreo or the caramel swirl or whatever else, it's like, they're all great. Every path in life is great. Just commit to one and and enjoy the heck out of it.
0: That's great advice on cheesecake and the life, you know, it's (laughs) a double whammy right there. So you got a lot of kids dealing with bullying these days, it's either cyberbullying or in person. How do you, do you work with a lot of clients that go through that? Absolutely.
1: You know, and bullying is particularly, we, we give a lot of bad advice to teenagers about bullying. The, the top advice that by, that's given by adults to teens is just ignore them. And that may work at the elementary school level when the bully is just trying to get your attention. But what we see is a shift around middle school and in the high school where the bully is generally not trying to get the attention of the victim. The bully is using the victim of the bullying as an object to make their friends laugh and so what we the first step to violence is objectification you know again i remember i worked in jails and prisons a, in early part of my career and i literally had guys say i would never hit a woman but i will smack a bitch okay well what are we seeing there we're seeing that first step is objectification if she's not a woman but she's the b oh. word now i can justify violence if this person who i'm bullying isn't a person to me if they are just a liberal or if they're whatever else if they're a Slut, we see a lot of slut shaming around. Okay, now it's okay for me to say whatever I wanna say. So what I say to the kids is your job is to now rehumanize yourself. And to say, to walk up to that person who's saying this horrible thing to you, don't ignore them, turn to them and say, what are you wanting to happen right now? Why are you saying that? What, do you get pleasure out of making me feel pain? It, so you don't have to be more clever than them. You don't have to roast them. You have to just let them know like you have to make there be a cost, especially a cost of humor, make it awkward. They're willing to make your life awkward. Yeah. You want to make it so again, mo the vast majority of the time, they're just trying to be naughty to show their friends, oh my God, you can't believe look at what I'm doing here. And so turning to them saying, why do you want to hurt me? The person in control in any conversation is the one that's asking the questions. So turning, acknowledging, asking the question and making it awkward back to them. Now, if that person doesn't stop right after we do that, that's when we need to get other other intervention. And so many kids will say to me, well, I just don't wanna make it a big deal. And what I try to tell them is if they're doing this to you, they're probably doing this to other people as well. So even if you don't wanna draw attention for yourself or to yourself and you're saying it's not that big a deal, would you think it's a big deal if they were doing this to other people? So often these kids become courageous when they think about the fact that, yes, I don't want anybody else being hurt the way I'm being hurt. But bullying makes us feel, I was bullied in middle school, and this idea of I feel powerless and I feel alone, and realizing that you're not alone and that nobody deserves to feel that way. Oh man, that's
0: some good stuff right there. I've never thought about it. making
1: it awkward. That's a great tactic, right? No one wants to feel
0: awkward, right? So that'll no. Be-
1: and that's a yeah, let's make that awkward turtle. Let's push back on them. Unless so that they they just they want if it's awkward, they'll avoid, they'll find another target, or they may actually really nobody wants to look in the mirror and think of themselves as a bully. The vast majority of people who are bullies, what what do they say when we say you're being a bully? They say, I'm just kidding. Well, helping them to understand, like we want to punch up rather than punch down. Meaning in our humor, we want to go after the people who have more power than us rather than less power than us. Because the, almost everybody I've ever worked with, be it victims of bullying or bullies themselves, they want to wake up in the morning and see a good person staring back. They just want. So we have to look at what are their motivations for being a bully and get, we have to teach them. It's not enough to just tell them stop. We have to re- replace that behavior with a different option. Let's teach them how to be funny in a way that's effective <laughs> you know, and that isn't just being mean to people.
0: Yeah, everybody likes a funny guy until they made Everybody's right? Everybody you, right? Funny.
1: right, exactly. Well, and it's like, yeah, and how, you know, I was listening to, I don't know if you've heard of the, the very popular podcast, Smartless, um, yeah. but it's a, and Bradley Cooper was on there and he was talking about how he was being a bully and kind of a jerk until Will Arnett, the, you know, the great actor and comedian, he pulled it aside after a party one night and he said, you know, you were really going after those people. And Bradley Cooper thought, well, yeah, he's, yeah, I was pretty much roasting them. I he thought he was being funny. He's like, you were just being mean. You were being mm-hmm. a dick. And that's the other piece, is having a friend, if you are that friend, if you're noticing one of your friend's humor is just going over the rails mean, you can have so much power to interrupt that and say, hey, be better, be better than that. Use your humor like, oh, I was just kidding. They, can't, they need to learn to take a joke. Well, hey, I think you crossed the line there. And you'll find that if you are that friend who, if you're feeling awkward when your friend is making jokes about somebody, pull them aside one-on-one and let them know, be better, like you know, Will Arnett did <laughs> to Bradley Cooper.
0: Yeah, that's a true friend right there that'll help you out. That's, that's a real friend. So uh, be that friend. If you're listening right now, be that friend to somebody. So let's let talk about your podcast a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit why you started and, and what it's about?
1: Yeah, I mean, for years in doing my work in therapy and with the kids, people would say, "Oh, you should write a book." But I love books, I love reading. But the vast majority of people I work with won't read. I can tell them the best <laughs> book ever, and they're like, "No." So I said, rather than writing a book and all oh, the thousands of pages or whatnot, why don't I go ahead and just start a podcast? And I'm a podcast addict. I listen. I'm I'm subscribed to over a hundred podcasts, and I listen to them on like two and a half times speed. So I can get enough. <laughs> so my podcast is a mental health podcast where we just I just address things that are popping up in my practice, where if I'm seeing a theme of people being bullied or people talking about relationship issues, I'll just say, hey, you know, this client was dealing with this and here's some of the advice that I gave them. Or I'll pull back the curtain and have guests on talking about things like um, meditation or how yoga therapy can work or different aspects of mental health treatment. So that's uh, Not Allowed to Die podcast about. And the reason I call it that is because, again, I only have one rule for my clients. Do whatever it takes to get you through this world. You're just not allowed to die. So if a person's dealing with addiction, if they're dealing with, you know, eating disorders, I, I'm not in favor of negative coping skills, but I'd rather you do that negative coping skill than give up on life because we can work and make life better.
0: Oh man, that's powerful right there. Daniel, th- thanks so much for what you're doing out in the world. We need more people like you out there, especially for our teens right there that, that can feel so lost. And, you know, the, the brains are fully formed. They the, the, littlest, the littlest things being like huge things. You're really saving some lives out there. And also Pause for Patrick. So that website against pauseforpatrick.org. Go on there if you can da- donate, shop, volunteer, all that. Be involved somehow. Or if you need some help yourself, you got to go check that out. Uh, go check out that, that podcast. You know, it's got some great stuff on there. I was checking out some earlier in the week. And it's got some really wide range of topics. If it's the mental health, Daniel's talked about it. So that's awesome, man. Thank you for that.
1: My pleasure. And again, if anybody has anything, they they want to connect with me, they can email me at dmaiglerlcsw at gmail.com. So whether it's questions about mental health, about Paws or Patrick, even if you're a therapist and you want to learn how to write emotional support animal letters, I have templates that I can give and share with you. So again, let's just, we're all out there trying to make the world a little bit of a better place. So let's work together.
0: That's it. Better as a team, right? Especially if you're in yeah. California. We we need you, Californians. Help out. Yeah. Help out. 100%. Out yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: well, awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with us. Hey, if you're listening right now, please share this with somebody. That that can change their life. That that emotional support, animal could change their life. Figure out how they can get involved in there. Daniel, with Pauls for Patrick, can help them out. Uh, maybe they need to listen to that podcast, something they got going on. Maybe someone's being bullied. They need to learn about that or they're anxious or whatever it is. Daniel can help with that. Please share this episode with them. And if you feel so led, please leave us a five-star review. That way you can get more information out there. Keep spreading the positivity. And we'll keep this thing rolling. So thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Hey, these are awesome businesses. Go support them. They're out supporting positivity and they will do you right. Have an awesome day. Wow, what a great episode. You share that with somebody. I'm gonna share with you some awesome sponsors. Mick Williams Marketing. They can help your business grow regardless of the size of the project. You're gonna get a solution that is specifically created for you and your business. No cookie cutter one size fits approach here. So Amy and her band of fearless marketers can help you with all that stuff that you think you can do, but you're not really that good at it. You don't have time for it. They can do that. They're the experts. It's what they do. Web design, online conversion, optimization, SEO, uh, graphic design, marketing, page management, all that stuff. Go let them do that. Don't handle that yourself. Go check them out at mcwilliamsmarketing.com. See what all they can do. They're amazing people. Teak Patnik with Patnick Realit. He really does it all in the real estate world. General real estate sales, acquisitions, property management, investments, All that good stuff. You're not just a transaction with Teak. He really wants to build a relationship for life with you. He has built his whole business on prayer, hard work ethic, honesty, and results. You can trust Patnick Realty with all your real estate needs. Hey, I trust my brother from another mother, Teak, and you should too. Give him a call, 256-694-0117, or email him at teak at patnickco.com. Over the past four years, Valley Leadership Academy has established a reputation for being the ideal alternative to traditional schools by providing an excellent education along with real-life leadership and service opportunities. Now is your chance to come alongside them and help them grow to the next level. Please visit valleyleadershipacademy.org to find out about personal and corporate sponsorships that will help this remarkable school grow in an even brighter spot in Huntsville. Together, we can make a difference. Embrace the power of visual learning. Are you a football referee, a coach, a player, a fan? Would you want to see the game from the perspective of officials on the field? Do you want a better understanding of the rules? Get It Right provides 3D simulations and virtual reality to learn the game and get invaluable reps from the comfort of your home. Go to GetItRightTraining.com. Train today for a better game tomorrow.